in this perspective series, you will see how the book of Nehemiah shows that you are uniquely needed. So I finished the last talk by saying that it feels like Nehemiah chapters 1, 2, 3 for me in the way that God has prepared this series sit together. Well, Nehemiah chapter 4 for me stands alone and um, I find it a very sobering chapter, Nehemiah 4, but I also find it an incredibly exciting chapter. It's both things hand in hand for me. And so what you see is in, in chapter 3, they start building the wall. And then chapter 4 says basically opposition comes and so Sanballat and the, the people around them are basically incensed that they're doing this work of God that God has called them to. And they start to mock them. And it says there's, there's this heartbreaking verse in, chapter, in verse 6 where it says, We rebuilt the wall till it reached half its height for people work with all their hearts. So they're, they're working with all their heart and the wall reaches half its height. And the people around them again are incensed by this. And so they plan to come and attack them, to fight them, and basically to, to wipe them out, to stop them doing the work. And it says in verse 10 again, it says, The strength of the labourers was giving out. There's so much rubble, they, they can't even rebuild the wall. And so they've started building. Opposition is coming against them. They've spent themselves on the wall. It's half its height. They're giving out. There's so much rubble and stuff around them. They, they, they basically feel like they're giving up. And at the same time, the people around them are planning on coming and attacking them. They, they say basically before they even know it, we'll be amongst them and we'll kill them and we'll stop this whole thing at work. And so Nehemiah then rallies the people, starts to station them by families and strategically positions them to fight to protect themselves. He says, remember God is in this, he will fight for you. And they end up having basically half the people are stationed with weaponry to protect them and half are working. So where they're already spent and the wall's at half its height and everyone's run down and broken down. Now the workforce is halved because half of them are on defensive duties and the other half are building. Even the, the guys carrying bricks and stuff have one hand on their sword. So even their ability to carry stuff has been halved. And it says that they then station themselves and, and say basically if you hear the trumpet, come because we basically need to fight. And so that's chapter four of Nehemiah. But I am. I find there there is a, a the soberingness of this chapter comes from a question which I think is a prophetic question for the church just now. And it is this: it's the guy Sanballat who's mocking them. Says, "Can they bring these stones back to life from heaps of rubble burned as they are?" First, three. Can they bring stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And I actually think this is an incredibly um, poignant and prophetic question to the church just now. Now, the church is growing in parts of the world. And I suppose this is me sitting in the West asking this question as you look at church decline, as you look at church closures, even just as you look at what's going on in the church. And I think this is a, a, a potentially an assessment of the church just now. Burnt out rubble. See, this is the wall of Jerusalem. This is the people of God. But through a host of sin and getting stuff wrong, it's now in ruins, dead stones and burnt out. And again, that might not totally describe all churches, might be in part. But again, you look, what, what was Jerusalem supposed to be? It was a place of power. It was supposed to have authority, have sanctuary, have safety, have respect, have honour. And it's basically there as a joke to the people around them. 
again, and I question in the West, would this be a description of people's view of the church around us just now? No power, no authority, no sanctuary, no safety, no respect, no honour, a bit of a joke to the people around them. See, the talk here again, the language here, talks to a church model of building with bricks and stones where we say we have a specific area of ministry or responsibility we have this like little gap and we need someone to fit it and so what we'll do it doesn't matter how you're made it doesn't matter kind of what shape you are we basically need someone to fit this little thing we'll, we'll basically if you're up for it we'll jam you in there and bits of you might fall off and it might be painful and a squash and a squeeze but actually we're just going to jam you in there because we've got a gap for this little brick this little stone And I think the third thing this talks to, again, as a prophetic question for the church, is this allegiance to things not of God. To start building things with human wisdom and strength rather than God. An allegiance to the world to, to apply business. Like, let's apply the TED Talk principle to how we do church and how we grow and build church or our ministry or whatever it happens to be. And what's the outcome? Burnt out rubble. See, what was the church meant to be built with? Well, 1 Peter 2.5, what does it say? You, like living stones, living stones, not rubble or bricks, are being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. See, Nehemiah 1-3 says you're unique, unique heart, unique hands, unique individuals, all of you needed, living stones, not bricks that are meant to be rammed into a pre-designed space. Not something that is meant to make allegiance with the world around them and apply worldly knowledge to how to do things or, or that basically will crumble and fall down through sin. Alive, living stones built together into God's spiritual house. And so the question that Nehemiah 4 starts with basically is can these stones be brought back to life, burnt out, rubble that they are? Well, we see that it happens and so if I'm right, if there is a question of the church, a prophetic question to the church just now, can you burnt out rubble that you are? Can you be rebuilt? Well, we see in Nehemiah 4 it does. And so the question is, what happens in Nehemiah 4 that we can learn from to be part of God rebuilding his church in the West? Now let's just be really clear, the circumstances in Nehemiah 4 are grim. Basically, they've given all their strength in the walls at half their height. And basically, just they're looking around and saying, actually, this is too much of a mess. Like, the, the, the thing around us is in ruins. And they don't know where to start. And there's incredibly strong opposition around them. And as soon as they start doing something, they get mocked. And people try and basically knock them down and kill it in its infancy before it even gets a chance to be born and birthed. And so the key question for us is, what is it that they do to build what God has called them to do? And there's two things that I think we see happen in Nehemiah 4. Now, I know a good talk is supposed to have three points, but there are two things. And the first one, verse 13, as you see, they, um, they station them by families. It starts with families. And the question is, well, why do they start with families? Why does it say I started to station them with families? Well, see, families see each other not as stones, 
but it's individuals. It's not just another rambunctious kid or a middle-aged man or a, a mum whose kids have grown up. They, they see the uniqueness of the person for them. That's what happens in your family. You might have a sister who's incredibly this or that or a brother that's this or... But they're still, you see them differently because they're family. They're not just another brick. They're a living stone. There's a person behind that story. And that's how we see people when we're in families. Now, this isn't just saying blood, like, you know, like your, your physical family, but your church family. How do we start to be part of God rebuilding his church in the world around us? To see the body of Christ come into the fullness of all that she was meant to be? Well, we start with family. You start with people that know you, that see you. You start with the people that you can see where you look at the person before you and you say that you are uniquely made and full of purpose. What has God made them for and called them to do? See, it's the releasing of all people, not just individuals. See, it says the families were posted with swords and spears and arrows. It doesn't just say, oh, the head of the family was positioned and the rest of the people are, no, no. The whole of the family was called to this work. It's plural. They had swords and spears and bows. There was more of them. The whole family called together to do this. Not just a skilled Nehemiah or a head of the household. No, no, no. All of them were skilled. All of them were equipped to the work that they were called to do. All of them had a role to play. And so part of us seeing God start to build the church to what it is supposed to be starts with us being posted by families. Not explicitly blood, although I think there is a call for that, that we, we, we've not seen the fullness of what it means to be a family, a, 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 a family unit together. But it also talks to this wider family of, of people around you that you see as a human, as an individual, as a living stone, not just another brick to fit a slot. The second thing that they do in chapter four is they, they remember Jesus. It's almost like it might be worth getting a tattoo on your arm that says, remember Jesus. But what does it say in verse 14? He says, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your home. See, they're all skilled. They're all together. They've got weapons and armour and all that. It says, no, no, but don't forget Jesus. See, I think there are so many churches or Christians, believers that are quick to forget Jesus, who provides for us, who fights for us. See, there needs to be something, um, there's a series actually that actors carrying in his heart just now called Re-Jesus, that is all around churches and individuals re-Jesusing themselves. It's what Nehemiah says, is don't forget Jesus. He will fight for us, he will equip us, he all, like, like you're called to his thing, he is with you, don't forget Jesus. And so what you see is that even though they're half strength, they're burnt out, they have a full God. They have a full God who surrounds them and succeeds in his plans. Verse 15, what does it say? It says it is God that frustrates their enemies' plans. Their enemies planning on coming in around them with swords and, and disrupting the work. It says, no, it was God who frustrated their enemies' plans. And what happened? Uh, Nehemiah just says, don't forget Jesus. See, God says in um, Matthew 16, he says, I will build my church. See, God's going to build his church, his church of living stones on a cornerstone that is Jesus. And we are called to live and work together in families that God has placed around us. 
to be intentional. I mean, Nehemiah is intentional. He is organized. They're prayerful. They're on watch together. There's like an intentionality around it that's built around being family together and remembering who Jesus is. See, you and I are called to make disciples, not to build the church. I think the reason that so many churches are burnt out rubble, they might still be standing and people might still be coming, but in their spirit, in their heart, they are burnt out rubble. It's because they're trying to build the church. No, no. Jesus says, God says, I will build my church. See, I think, I think there's something that where we have made unholy alliances with the world around us. And we've tried to look at worldly wisdom and principles and processes and procedures to build God's church. No, no, God says he's going to build the church. It's God's job to do that. I also suspect that actually we've tried to build a church name itself as opposed to God's church. And so, yes, you see they're stationed in families, but they're all together. And so there might be distinct pockets and little groups of people that may join these different families and stuff, but they are together. There's a unity across these families. They're not using godly wisdom. They're not siloed from the other people around them. It says, oh, actually, if you hear the trumpet call, well, come here, we need your help. Again, what they're describing here is not necessarily what we would see of the church and the world around us. But they fight and they're prepared to fight from a position of remembering God. He is going to build his church. He is going to fulfill the work. He is going to frustrate the plans of the enemies. He is going to provide all that we need. We need to just remember Jesus. So you and me were called to love the families of people around us. We're called to live together in family, not as a business model. Church is never meant to be business. Actually, we see Jesus drive the business people out of the church, the, the, the people that are profiteering in the sanctuary of God. I think that's what God's doing. We're called to be in families, organised, intentional, meeting together, praying together, equipped for war. You know, if, if someone was given a bow and they didn't know, the family around you would have said, this is how you wield these weapons that, that you have been given. And together we are called to fight for the work that God has called us to. And so I read Nehemiah 4 and I find it very sobering. This picture of this, this ruined place of God through sin, through allegiance with the world around them, through compromise, through, you know, just all this stuff. And, and, and they're just standing there. There are a remnant of people standing there, surrounded by rubble, burnt out. And yet we see the whole thing be rebuilt. The whole thing is rebuilt, even though they're half strength, even though they're, they're weak and weary and they've got all this other stuff going on. Because they choose to do what God says, which is to work and operate and live in families, living stones, not bricks. They choose to remember Jesus and their full strength God fights for this half wearied and battered and, and you know, kind of half resourced people because suddenly they're, they're split up and having to be defensive. God does the thing that he is wanting to do. And so I find it incredibly exciting because I feel this burden when I read Nehemiah 4 for what I think the, the state of the church is around us, the wider church. This is not denouncing any denomination or any specific venue or, or minister. Or any, no, no, no. I just think this is a realistic assessment of the world, the world and the, the church around us. 
And all that happens in chapter 4, they live and work together in families and they remember Jesus. And it starts to change. And so friends, this is why I'm excited. We don't really know the fullness of what God is calling us to with the foundry and this foundry family. All we're doing is day by day what we think God is calling us to do. And we'll get stuff wrong. But our, our, our focus is on being family together. And at all times as individuals and together is remembering Jesus and looking to him moment by moment by moment. And the excitement comes because I know that God has already been building something that is, is what he has called us to together. And I also know that this is just the start. I don't even think the wall, that the thing that God has called us to be, this wall that is half, I don't think we're even there yet. There is an incredible work that God is going to do. And you're needed and you're part of it. And in fullness, we want to see you as a living stone be built up into all that God has called you to do. And man, that for me is just incredibly exciting.